Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Okay, our next live Afterbirth show is going to be Saturday, September 22nd. It's the Back to School Show special, and it's our nine-year anniversary, and it's going to feature amazing performers like comedian Stephanie Escajeda, Lori Kilmartin, Cindy Shupak, Matt Price, Chris Duguay, and many more. Please call the MBAR at 323-856-0036 for reservations. It's going to be a really good one. For today's podcast, we're pulling out a story that Griffin Dunn, yes, Griffin Dunn from After Hours, wrote and performed for us. It was recorded at the Triad Theater in New York City in 2008. Please welcome Griffin Dunn. My child has brought me nothing but pain from the moment she was born. I'm not going to whine about anything as petty as physical pain. I'm talking about a throbbing torment that ping-pongs between worry and dread that just only feeds off unconditional love. It's not really that bad. Sometimes the pain is really physical. When, When my daughter Hannah was about was about this tall, and she was just starting to stand on her own. Too much weight on either foot would make her topple like a drunken sailor. So, well, I was hardly one to talk at the time, because um, I still like to party very hard at night, and found the uh, early morning wake-up calls from Hannah very difficult to adjust to. And on one morning, she woke us up to get breakfast happening and rolled out of bed, and I rolled out of bed in the buff like I always did, And we walked into the kitchen, uh, her holding onto my index finger for balance, like she always did. Except this time, I was too hungover to notice, you know, that she decided to be brave and took one step forward and then chickened out and reached up for the finger, but it was no longer there, and grabbed for the next best thing. And... Yeah, yeah, ouch. I mean, you wouldn't think something that small would weigh so much. You wouldn't think something, someone that young would be such a good gymnast. Um, Well, she's 18 now, and she's not in the audience, in case anyone thinks I'm embarrassing her. But uh, her mother and I had a a very friendly separation and easily, we easily shared her when 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 she remarried. She wanted to move to Westchester, and Hannah was 13, very much a city mouse. She chose to live with me, so I got to have her during the teenage years all to myself. And those years were a whole new world of pain. Uh, But, you know, it wasn't the broken curfews or the asshole boyfriend, the pot, the up-and-down grades that would torment me. It was seeing her having to go through adolescence all on her own and being helpless to, to help her. It was knowing that she needed to cut me off to survive her teens. And that was the only way that she could find out who she really was. And I mourned for this little girl who used to tell me everything was now kind of an oddly intimidating figure. You know, it would only answer a question with a question. You know, how is school? What do you mean? <laughs> and I became so starved for her attention that I, I looked forward to the times when she would give me what I would call her Fraser face which was named after the dog from Frasier, who I happened to work with when I did the show, who was kind of a jerk, this dog. And 
And between takes, he was this dead-eyed, vacant canine. But when the director called action, he would look at you, where the trainer was waving a biscuit behind your head, like this in a perfect imitation of a caring and loving and interested dog. And in Hannah's case, the, the biscuit was usually, you know, cash or uh, permission to stay out a little past her curfew. And, and she was willing to share, you know, a nugget of her personal life. Uh, I was willing to pay for it. <laughs> and I get about five complete sentences out of her about her friends at school, and I'd be thrilled to pay up. You know, but I felt like Edward G. Robinson in Scarlet Street, you know, it was... Uh, but the night I knew that the Fraser face era was definitely at an end, it happened actually quite recently. Um, I came home to find her under my covers and uh, under the covers of my bedroom, and she said her stomach's really hurting and asked if she could stay, stay in, the, in the room overnight. And I felt her forehead and it was warm, so I went and I got some aspirin and I ordered us some Chinese food. And one of the, one of the subjects that's always been you know, safe territory for us has been old movies. So I put on uh, Turner Classics and, and to our mutual delight, All About Eve was playing. And we talked all during the movie, and we talked after the movie. And I remember thinking that I hoped I don't have Munchausen syndrome because, <laughs> you know, her stomach cramps really led to one of the most enjoyable nights I'd had as a father in a long time. <laughs> and sometime later, uh, um, I went to Turkey for a two-week vacation. In fact, I, I really did. I just got back last night. And I had a great time. Thanks for asking. But, um, but there was this escalating problem while I was there. Um, Hannah would call me while I was on the coast of Turkey to report that she had bed bugs in her room and couldn't sleep there anymore. So I told her to get wash all the clothes and get rid of the mattress and wash the sheets. And I called 1-800-MATTRESS from this lovely island called Gocek, which I'll bet doesn't happen very often in Gocek. And thinking that the matter was settled, I was kind of disappointed when she called back a few days later to say that now the bed bugs had found their way up the stairs and were now in my bed. So I think it was in the ancient village of Karvala where I yelled at the top of my lungs for her to get an exterminator and kill every one of those fuckers before I got home. And I, and I called 1-800-MATTRESS again. Got another mattress. And it was in front of the Blue Mosque in Istanbul <laughs> that Ron the Exterminator called. And he called to tell me that it was going to cost $800 to clean the apartment and that I couldn't live there for two weeks. And I just got back last night. Um, and, and, and so last night I slept on someone else's couch like a teenager. And my daughter, who is a teenager, um, is sleeping in this beautiful brownstone in Park Slope. And I haven't figured out actually where I'm going to go tonight, I swear to God. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the cat. Um, she also, she also got, uh, bought a cat from a homeless lady. Um, around the time the bed bug showed up, which is a little suspicious. And so I said, I want you to return the cat and get your money back. Um, which she wouldn't do for moral reasons. So, uh, 
you know, I backed down, but I asked her, can she at least find out if this lady has any room in her refrigerator box for me tonight? So this is the kind of pain and torment I'm talking about. It just goes on and on. But in the ensuing years between the pecker pull and the little homeless problem I'm having at the moment, there have been like millions upon millions of all about Eve moments that, that make it all worth it. And I'm just gonna save all that good stuff for some other night. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the live show, or to comment on the podcast, please visit www.afterbirthstories.com. And remember, our next Afterbirth show will be at the M Bar in Hollywood on Saturday, September 22nd, and it's going to be a great one with comedian Stephanie Escajeda, writer Cindy Shupak, Christian Duguay, and Lori Kilmartin will be reading from her new book, Shitty Moms, and she's going to be signing them, so you definitely want to be there. The number to call for reservations is 323-856-0036. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening.